I'm teaching through the Bible, just doing it verse by verse, and now we're here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 again, continuing on in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Last week, we talked about the role and ministry of elders, of the bishops, which is like myself and as a, a bishop. But today we're talking about deacons. What does it mean to be a deacon? Who are the deacons of the church? And who are, who are these people that God has called, to be, called as deacons? So 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're talking about the characteristics of spiritual leadership. The characteristics of spiritual leadership. And do you have those characteristics in your life? So vital what God is talking about. Now, read with me in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Let's read this together. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given too much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Okay, these are some pretty high standards that God has given to deacons. Listen, if you want to be a leader in the church, you need to follow these instructions. Now, the ministry of the deacon is a spiritual work. It's not a work where you just apply and say anybody can do it. It is really a calling by God through the Holy Spirit. Always remember that. It is a spiritual work because God is the one that it will anoint you to do the work of service as a deacon or as a leader in the church. And so the word for de deacons is diakonos, which one who serves the servant of a king. Deacon is one who serves. He's the, the servant of the king. So if God is calling you to be a deacon, a leader in the church, it's a spiritual calling. And it is God calling you only by, this, by his Holy Spirit. Now, the word for mystery of the faith is the Greek word musterion. Say musterion. And it's the literal Greek word for mystery that he must know the truth, doctrine, and then to live by it. It's the doctrine that God has given you as a leader to live by the truth of God. But this is the only way you can serve God is if you know the word of truth and then you say, man, I know the word, now I'm going to live by it. That qualifies you as a deacon, as one who is a leader in the church of God. Now, as Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship, we've never really designated this term as deacons. We've never called, like, Deacon Jones and some churches, that's like Bishop Jones or Bishop Deacon, this and that. I try to stay away from the titles because, I don't know, there's something about titles that gets you into this head trip all of a sudden, like, I'm a deacon of the church. Yes, I'm important. Well, I kind of shy away from that as a pastor to try not to go that route. I like to say, hey, look at Brother Jim over there. He's really a servant. You guys lose something? Is it? Oh, okay, okay, I'm trying. I'll help you find it. <laughs> and uh, if you've, if the, the ones that are doing the work, that's like, man, that guy is a servant of God. I don't have to call you a deacon. I'd rather call you as a follower of Jesus. Look at that guy. is right on. He's serving the Lord. Now, we have deaconesses in the church, too. I remember, there's not just men. Uh, men it's also women. 
Severa is a, I would consider a deaconess in that she is always counting the money and she's calling up PG&E and you overcharge us $3 here. You know, that's not our, you know, she saves the church a lot of money because she is always working on the bills and paying the bills and, and making sure that the, the, uh, an operation like a church, somebody has to be doing that kind of thing. Pastor Louie can't be doing all that work or, because the Bible says, well, Pastor Louie, you have other ministries to do that I'm calling you to do. And we're going to get to that right now. And that's what it says here in Acts chapter, three, chapter 6, verse 3. Uh, let me give you a little background here. Well, I'll read this verse. It says, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom may, you may appoint over this business. What was this business? What was happening in that early Christian church was that you had all these uh, people coming together, multitudes of different types of people. But you had Greeks and you had Jewish people who were saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. And they were assembling as a body of believers and they were coming in, meeting in houses and, and they were saying, man, we're Christians now, we're going to follow Jesus. So you had the Greek type of people and the Gentiles and then you had the uh, the Jewish type of people. But some of the, uh, the, uh, the Hellenistic women, the Greek women, were getting overlooked in the serving of the, the food. Like they had a food program. And so some of the, Jew, uh, the, the Greek women were getting overlooked and they weren't getting the, the special treatment of some of the Jewish women. And there became some grumblings in the church. And, and, and uh, Peter or said, you know, it's not really up to us to, have a, uh, to be overseeing a food pro program. Our job is really to preach the word and to be praying and, and to, to be equipping the saints. And, and I mean, a food program is good, just like what we did with Hurricane Katrina. We, we helped families during that time. You should have seen this church doing five years ago this week. We had so much food in here. It was like people were, they found out that we had evacuees uh, from uh, Katrina, from New Orleans, and people were bringing food, and they were bringing, donating clothes, and, and, and so we had a lot of donations. But I wasn't the one that was really heading that up. There were a lot of people in the church who were helping to head that up, so that Pastor Louis can be doing other types of ministry. So I can be involved in it, but that should not be the oversight that I should be doing as far as devoting all my time. That was what, ha what was happening here in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. Peter says, hey, it's not good for us to uh, be doing that. Let let's pick some deacons to do that. Men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So they, out of the seven guys, two of the guys were, one of them was Philip or Stephen. And Stephen is such an awesome guy. I love it. When In fact, look in your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 6. And look a little bit, read a little bit here about the, uh, the life of Stephen, an incredible man. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He was the first person, a Christian, to be martyred for the name of Jesus. He was the first guy that, that said, man, you guys need to come to Christ. And the people couldn't stand what, what Stephen was saying, and they stoned him. And that's why it says, beginning right here in and chapter uh, 6, verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. 
And there arose, in verse 9 it says, there arose some who were called uh, from the synagogue, the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and from Cilea and, and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not even able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. You see, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was just driving this man. And people were trying to oppose him, and they couldn't even oppose him because of, of the wisdom of God speaking through Stephen. Did you know that as a leader in the church of God, you need to possess this wisdom that Stephen has. And the only way you can possess it is when you commit your life to Christ, you get into the Word of God, and you study the Word of God, and God speaks to you, and He gives you wisdom. Stephen knew the Word of God. He was able to preach a sermon there in Acts chapter 7, just telling the whole history of Abraham and Moses and, and the, the forefathers of, of the Jewish race and saying that Jesus had to come and to be crucified and that's the only way that the Jewish people would be able to be saved because it was prophesied. They hated it. The Jews hated what Stephen was saying. All the high priests and everything. We can't stand what you're saying. In fact, when they were looking at Stephen, his face, in fact, here it says in verse 15, and all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. I mean, he was just glowing because he was telling them about God. When people see your face, is it glowing with Jesus? Think about that. Did you know that when people look at your face, they can see the countenance in your face, your demeanor of your face, whether it's introspective and all about yourself, whether you're possessed by worldly culture, or whether you're radiating the life of Christ. Did you know that? That is really true. And God wants to radiate from you his son, Jesus Christ. That's what was happening with Stephen. They saw this guy has got the face of an angel because he was being operating his life by the Spirit of God. That's why he could do all these miracles. He was doing, I love the books of, book of Acts because it's always talking about signs and wonders. The, the apostles were doing signs and wonders. Right? Blind people were being healed. The dead were being raised from the dead, uh, uh, coming back to life. Uh, people that were paralyzed could start walking. It, it was the most incredible thing. And that was what Stephen was doing back in the book of Acts. And people were saying, look at that guy. That, that guy's doing incredible things. But all the work that Stephen did, the Bible calls it, he was deaconizing. He was doing deaconous work, doing deacon work. And that's why uh, qualifications for a deacon in the book of Acts says that He's got to be, have a good reputation, and this is really important. To be a spiritual leader in the church of God, you need to have a good reputation. Now think about that. Your reputation is so vital. Your reputation for God is so vital. I know that none of us possess a perfect life. All of us have you know, we, let's not talk about my past. Let, let's talk about tomorrow. Let's talk about the future. But what God is saying is that I can cancel out the bad things in your life. The moment you accept Christ, I will give you a good reputation when you start following my son Jesus. Because people are going to say, yeah, 
Louis Juarez used to live that way, but now I've seen how he's given his life to Christ, and he's living his life now this way. That's a good reputation. And so that's what God is calling you to do, to step up and to say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. And you can do it. Now, regardless of what your past has been like, God is saying, my power, my blood of my son Jesus will cancel out all your sins. There may be people you need to go back to and ask for forgiveness. There may be things that you need to do in your life. But God is saying, I will give the reputation that you need once you follow me, people will believe in my son Jesus. And then you need full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have 100% of the Holy Spirit in you? You don't have 60%, 30%. You know, I haven't been good today. I only think I only have 10% of the Holy Spirit in me. Or... Uh, I'm not doing too bad today. I think I'm about 88%. You know, I'm, I'm pretty cocky today because I, I uh, I'm doing all right. I got a lot of the Holy Spirit because I've been doing all this good work. That's not how God works. You have 100% of the Holy Spirit in you. The moment Jesus comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit resides in you forever. What the issue is now is how much you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. That is, the more faithful I am to God, the more I, I, I'm obedient to Jesus, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to do more work in me. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to use me. The more that I'm obedient, the less Louis Juarez is obedient, even though I have 100% of the Holy Spirit in me, I'm, I'm restraining the Holy Spirit from saying, you know, Holy Spirit, I'm going to do a Louis Juarez type work today. I'm not going to do God Spirit type work. That, that doesn't work with God. God says, Louis, I want to be working 100% in you. 100% of me is in you. Will you allow me to do total work in your life? Will you move over so that my Holy Spirit can do the work? So that's what he said. That's what Stephen did. Stephen moved over in his life. He said, you know what, God? I don't want to be, uh, let Stephen do the work. I want you to work through me. That's what God is saying in your life. And that's also, he says, he was full of wisdom. Did you know that wisdom can only come from God? It doesn't come from reading books. Remember back in the old days, we'd, get, we'd have those uh, encyclopedias in our house. Remember my dad bought, he said, man, we're going to get you guys the, the, the whole volume, the Britannica encyclopedias, and we had those in our house. And they helped back then. It was like you can get all this information in the Civil War, and I can open it up and learn about Abraham Lincoln. And, but, you know, those were the days before computers, of course. You know, who needs uh, encyclopedias now? We've got, uh, got my iPad or whatever, the, what Stephen did, he was operating by the Holy Spirit, saying, man, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And then Philip was the other man chosen in the book of Acts. Philip, I, I love the story of Philip. Here is this guy that was a real evangelist. Philip walked with Jesus. Philip was the one who, who was a, a tremendous follower of Jesus Christ. And and it says here in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up to the chariot. What was happening in the book of Acts in, there in chapter 8? There was an Ethiopian eunuch who went to Jerusalem to worship. And he was sitting there in his chariot, chariot and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And it was talking about Jesus. 
a book that was written 700 years before Jesus even came, uh, being born as, as a, in Bethlehem. And, and it's talking about the suffering servant, how the servant of God, the Messiah, would have to suffer and how he would be treated by those who opposed him. And the eunuch said, Philip, the spirit says to Philip, go up and talk to that guy in the chariot. Philip runs up to the chariot and, and he starts explaining to the eunuch, do you know what you're reading? And he says, I don't know if he's talking about himself or he's talking about uh, somebody else. And Philip tells him about Jesus. That's exactly what the Bible says. He starts explaining to him about Jesus Christ. The Spirit said to Philip, go up to the chariot. Philip ran up and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, no. Philip says, let me tell you about Jesus. You see, in order to be a deacon in the church of God, in order to be a servant of God, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You need to have this wisdom. You need to be called by God. And that's exactly what Philip was. And that's why it says in 1 Timothy chapter 8, 3 verses 8 and 9, continuing on, likewise deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued. And the word for uh, reverent here is the word sem semnas, which means honorable, dignity, to show deeds of character. Reverent is just being an honorable person. Now, as a minister, sometimes I get called Reverend uh, Louis Juarez. I just don't like that title. is because like, well, Reverend, I don't know what that, it, it just, the, the connotation. I'd rather be called, well, I could be, a lot of you call me Pastor Louis. I like being called Pastor Louis, or some of you just call me Louis. The important thing is, is that reverence is what happens when you show deeds of kindness and goodness to other people in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what deacons are supposed to do. I want our church to be filled with diakonoses, okay, and uh, women deacons. It's so important that you know that the more you're serving God, showing deeds of service around the church, you are showing deacon work. And I, I love it when people say, hey, pastor, don't have to do that. I'll do that. I'll come in this week and, and do this kind of work. Because you're saying, I want to serve the church of God. I want to show deeds of character. And God is saying that that's what he's calling us all to do. Every single one of us should be able to tell somebody when you go, uh, wherever they ask you what church you go to, say, yeah, I'm a deacon in the church of Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship. I'm a deaconess there uh, because of the work that I'm performing. Now, you don't need that title, but what you're doing is saying, yes, I do have a role. I'm serving Jesus Christ. And the word for uh, double-tongued here would be di-logos. Di-logos means word, and di means two, so double-tongued. Double-tongued really is, is a hypocritical thing, and it's saying one thing and then meaning something else, but it's used for deception. And the Bible says that if you want to be a leader in the church of God, you cannot be double-tongued. You cannot be saying one thing to somebody else and then something to somebody else, talking behind their back, hypocritical, gossip. That doesn't work for church leaders. And that is a notorious error that is happening in so many churches. And the reason why a lot of people don't go to churches is say, because they say, well, it's a bunch, full of a bunch of hypocrites. 
And I always say, well, why don't you come and join us? We can always use another hypocrite in our church because we're all full of hypocrites, right? We all say one thing, but then we do something else. Hey, don't do it this way. Do it this way. And then we don't really do it that way ourselves. The point is that God is looking for people of character who are going to be consistently showing that I'm going to follow God, that I'm going to be committed to Jesus, that I'm not going to be double-tongued, I'm not going to be talking behind people's back or saying things that, to deceive I'm going to be truthful in my words. And that's why 1 Timothy or Titus 2.1 says, But as for you, read this out loud with me, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. When you speak, speak the things that are doctrinally sound. That are, and the only way you can be doctrinally sound is by knowing the Bible. Because once you know the Bible, you speak the words of the doctrine, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the teachings of the, of the Word of God. And then Ephesians 4.12 says, read this with me, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So speaking the truth in love. That's what it means here in, Titus, in 1 Timothy about being a deacon, not double-tongued, but speaking the truth in love. Now, all of us want the truth, right? We don't want to be told lies. We don't want to be told. I mean, it, I think there's a couple of songs. I don't know if it's just, just say whatever, say whatever you want, but don't, I can't remember. It's a country western song anyway, but it's a, uh, I know it sure is Hank Williams. Just go ahead and lie to me, but just don't say no. You know, just whatever it is, just, just don't, don't turn me down. Just, just be, don't. Anyway, what we want, though, is truth. And that's what Scripture's saying. Be truthful, and the only way you can be truthful is by knowing the truth, God's Word. And I love what it says in 1 Timothy 3.9. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. Now, it's interesting how the deacons is compared with elders. Elders say they shouldn't drink wine. Deacons, it says, not much wine. You could just drink a little bit of wine. But, so that's why people opt out. So we have a choice between elder and deacons. I'll take the deacon part. You know, I, I think you got one you can have a little wine with it. So not given to much wine. But the real issue here is your character as a follower of Jesus Christ it is not good, folks, for you to be drinking any alcohol. It really, it's a bad testimony. If you say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, how does that stand up in Christian testimony if you're drinking and people say, well, I thought you went to church. It just doesn't fit. And that's why it is so important for you in order to win people to Christ is to distinguish yourself that I am separate and that I'm, I'm going to live this way. And even though the Bible says that there's nothing wrong with alcohol, in fact, the Bible says for medicinal purposes, drink, Paul tells Timothy, drink a little bit of wine to, for, your, for medicinal purposes, for your stomach. But in our culture, I know so many people that struggle with alcohol. I know so many I have alcoholic friends. I have an alcohol, a brother who's an alcoholic. And I can't imagine if he thought, well, his brother Louie, who's a pastor, were to be consuming alcohol. It really wouldn't help my brother. I know that it's not going to help a lot of Christians if they knew that they found out. They said, well, Pastor Louie, he drinks. 
That's why I've committed to saying, I'm not going to drink any alcohol. It's as, even though there's nothing wrong with a little bit of consumption, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. So maybe, okay, it's okay to drink. But is it really going to profit your brother? Is it really going to help him out, the guy that is really struggling with an alcohol issue? If it's not going to help him, you shouldn't be doing it. The point is, is that as deacons, we're living up, and as followers of Jesus Christ, you're living up to a higher standard. You need to step up to a higher standard. What are the things in your life that you need to give up in order to say, yeah, I want to follow, be a follower of Jesus. What can I do to be a better testimony to those around me? And then it says, don't be greedy for money. The, you know, the pastor or the, uh, the deacons shouldn't be the ones that are they're counting the money. They shouldn't be the ones that are the ones that are uh, taking the money because it's so dangerous. Money is a big issue with churches, and it destroys many pastors. There's so many pastors who have fallen from the ministry because they tried to to get money in a way that really was not ethical. And that's why it says, hey, listen, if you want to go in the ministry, don't do it for money. Now, I have a car that's 14 years old. And you can tell that Pastor Louie, he really doesn't have much money. Because the, the, the point is, is that when people see you pulling up in a Cadillac and you, they see you pulling up, well, I, I don't know, Cadillacs, anybody drive a Cadillac nowadays? Okay. I think Cadillacs are really neat cars. I, I wouldn't mind having one. If anyone wants to donate one to Pastor Louie, I'll drive it, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll drive it. I'll make sure that you, it gets a good use. But I don't know. Maybe the gas issue might be too much. But what God is saying is that the money issue and serving Christ doesn't work. That's why Jesus told his disciples, I want you to go out and preach the gospel, but don't take any money with you. Don't take, any, don't take your purse with you, he said. Leave your purse behind. I don't know if you're carrying a man's purse around. I don't know if that would. But he said, just don't, don't take any, just take the clothes on your back. When you go into the ministry, you go for the purpose of saying, I'm going to commit my life to Christ. Some ministers say, well, Jesus was rich. I mean, look at, he, he was, uh, he had, he, he had so much, he was, but I disagree with that philosophy. Jesus was not rich. The Bible says he didn't have a place to lay his head. Jesus told the disciples, when you go into the city and when you go to start preaching Christ, somebody invites you into their house, just, you know, you stay where you get invited and eat what they eat. But don't be trying to live by a way of getting money because it looks like you're greedy that you're doing the ministry so that you can win a profit. You go into the ministry because you say, God, you're my provider. And that's how we should all live, that God is our provider day by day. He's going to provide for me today. I don't have to be thinking of all these get-rich-quick schemes and everything that I need to do. To, to lie, to, how can I provide for myself? Trust God to provide for you. And then he says, holding on to the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. With a pure conscience. Well, the mystery is revealed in Christ. What is the mystery? The Greek word musterion. It is the mystery of God, and it is revealed in Jesus Christ. You see, in the Old Testament, they were talking about the Messiah. How are you going to get to God? What is the way to get to God? And that's why 1 Timothy 3.16 says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, 
was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. This was the mystery. Nobody could understand in the Old Testament that the, the Messiah would have to be crucified, that he would have to actually, he would be, uh, go to the cross and that he would be in the tomb for three days and then resurrected and taken up into glory. That was a, an incredible mystery. When the apostles went out and started preaching this to all the people in Galilee and in Jerusalem, the priests would refuse to hear it because they thought, wait a minute, that's, we, we thought you got to heaven by, by being good and, and all these good deeds and everything. And God said, no, it's through the mystery of Christ that you just believe that he died for your sins and receive him as your Lord and Savior and the one who was taken up into glory. So God gave spiritual leaders, and importantly to know, number one, for the purpose to guide the church to be like Jesus. He gave us, this church, the church of Jesus Christ throughout the world, spiritual leaders, deacons, and elders, in order so that we can be more like Jesus Christ. And that's why it says in Romans 8, 28, read this with me. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That's incredible. He knew you in advance. The whole purpose of spiritual leaders is to equip the church in order for us to be more like Jesus Christ. And, th and that's what my job is as a pastor, is to help you, to equip you to become more like Jesus. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and he gave them the right standing with himself, and he promised them his glory. Now, continuing on, and if you, let's keep your finger, and uh, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and reading with verse 10, and he says in verse 10, But let these also first be tested, these deacons, and let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. And in verse 11 it says, Likewise, their wives must be reverent. Now the word for verse 11, wives, is really is a, the Greek word for women. And it's uh, women. And so it's not something, it, it actually could mean the wives of the deacons, or it could mean deaconesses. But here it's saying that there's, the women must be reverent. We have incredible women in our church. I love the women in our church. You guys, I, I, I've never met a church where, has had a church where so many women are serving. And you are deaconesses. You have uh, Deaconess Gail here and Deaconess Kelly over here. And you guys, you ladies, you okay if I call you guys? Or I call you, call you ladies. You are servants of God, deaconesses. And that's why it says right here, likewise, you deaconesses, or you you wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. And I, I say right on, that's what you ladies are doing. You're faithful in, in all of these things in the household of God. And then he, that's a little bit of a parenthesis. And then verse 12, he says, let deacons be the husbands of one wife. Now, I've never heard of a deacon, well, and there goes Deacon Jones. He's got six wives this week. I don't know what happened. He used to, last week he had seven wives. That's not what it's talking about. What it's saying, the deacon, uh, husband of one wife, literally means a one-woman kind of man. Let, if you're going to be a deacon in the church of God, guys, be focused on your wife and don't be looking around at other women. Okay, that's what it literally means. In the Greek, means a one-woman 
kind of man. Let's have all the guys say that. A one-woman kind of man. That's what Pastor Louie has to be. I have to be focused on one woman, Yvonne. I can't be looking at other women in a way that is impure. It just doesn't work as a leader in the church. If you want to stand up in the, in the church and be a leader, any type of ministry, if you want to be in the worship ministry, if you want to be a, in the kitchen ministry, if you want to be a, an usher, a greeter, you have to be a one-woman kind of man, guys. Yeah, one's enough. Okay, one's enough. I mean, I love my wife, Yvonne. I don't know if I can handle another. It just doesn't work. But what God is saying, well, my wife wouldn't put up with it, of course, but it's just, guys, we have a ministry in this church to be pure at heart, to be followers of Jesus Christ. If God has given you a wife, be that one woman kind of man. If you're single, you still have to be a one woman kind of man. Focus on your mom. Well, okay, I don't know. You can say, what are you talking about there? Uh, no, just be, in, that one woman kind of man means just, hey, keep your eyes and your heart pure. Don't be wandering around looking at, at women in a way that is not worthy of being a leader in the church of God. So let deacons, verse 12, let deacons be husbands of one wives, ruling their children and their own households well. So if you're going to be a this a lot of these are similar to elders and deacons. Same, same thing. The only, two, the only differences between the elders and the deacons is that the elder needs to be able to teach. You have to be able to stand and teach the Word of God. That is not a qualification of a deacon. The other difference is the drinking part where it says, well, elders, you're not supposed to drink. Deacons, you can have a little bit of wine. But what I'm telling you, though, even in the church of Jesus Christ here at Sarah Mesa Christian Fellowship, if you want to be a leader in our church, would you abstain from any alcohol? Because what it does is cause people to stumble. And it's not really going to point to Christ. So that's why he says in verse 13, for those who are, have served well as deacons obtain for themselves, hey, a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So guys, women, we have a high, high calling. <laughs> and it's not a, you know, people are going to say, why don't you do this with us? And hey, why don't you drink this with us? And hey, you think you're so good. We don't want to have anything to do with you. You know what? Let God deal with that. What God is saying, I want you to follow me. Regardless if it means losing friends. Regardless if it means your family won't invite you over for a barbecue because you won't drink those uh, cold ones with them or uh, cool ones or whatever it is. And then prepare deacons. Elders are called to the church to prepare the church for the coming of Jesus. That's our ministry is to prepare you for the coming of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is all about. The church is the bride of Christ. I know that Jesus will return when that final person accepts Christ and says, man, that's it. The last person has come to Jesus. But you know what God is really waiting for? He's waiting for me to get my heart right with him. He's waiting for you to get your heart right with Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And the groom doesn't come until... Or until the bride is ready. I mean, the bride needs to be right, ready and spotless and pure. And, and just, I, I did a wedding this past week, and, and it's so neat. When the bride comes, it just, it's just like, whoa, this, this glorious 
creature that comes in, and she's just this brilliant white dress, and, and it is an incredible sight to see a bride. God is saying, I'm going to come when my bride is ready. You are the bride of Christ. Are you ready? Have you gotten your life in order? Are you, are you following Christ? Are you, are you diakonosing? Are you, that means are you serving and getting ready for, the bri- for, the groom, uh, for our groom to come? Because we're the church, the bride. Jesus Christ is the groom. Now, Ephesians 4.12 for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's our job, for the building up of you, the body. And that's what the service is, means diakonos. And then 1 Thessalonians 5:23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming. We have to constantly be talking about Jesus is coming back. We did that today about communion. He's coming back today. We don't know. I mean, but it's coming back. He's coming back soon. And what we have to do is be always be preparing for the imminent return of Jesus. And that's what helps us to guard our hearts, to stay pure. And then the last item here is to deacons and elders are appointed to step up and to serve like Jesus. The church needs more helpers. The church needs more workers. We're calling on you to be servants in this church. This week we're going to have a, uh, this Saturday, a, uh, we're participating in the Saramesa Fair. I need some guys over here with Ralph. Ralph's going to bring his truck. We need to load up the tents in the truck at 8 o'clock and take them down over here to the rec center set up tables and chairs. We need some of you to be face painters and some of you to help with the, the gospel bracelets. Uh, we need some of you just to talk to people about Jesus. Um, when they ask you about the church, you're going to say, yeah, I'm a member of Sarah Mason Christian Fellowship. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. We need you to step up. We need you to start serving. Uh, the church, of, our church is not about coming and sitting and hearing a sermon. That's one aspect. But that's only 5%. 95% is actually doing the work and actually being a part of the fellowship outside these four walls. And that's why Jesus said in Mark 10:45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the word for serve is diakonos. Jesus came to be a deacon. He came to serve. The word for deacon is used as a noun and as a verb. We need to be, maybe we're not the noun, we're like Deacon Jones, but you know what? We're always supposed to be the verb part, always the doing, always the serving. Are you ready to step up and start serving? All right, well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, how powerful it is, how it changes our lives and, and, and makes us consider now we have to do something. We have to begin serving. And Lord, I pray that you would open up the doors more for more opportunities to serve. Five years ago, the, the Katrina victims were in this church. We were serving then. And, and a couple years ago, we had the San Diego fires and our church was serving then. And, and now we have more opportunities to serve. Luis Palau ministry and the, the Sarah Mesa Fair is coming up. But we have working with John Paul Jones School. And, and Lord, 
many opportunities to serve. And we want to be a part of it so that people will see Christ living through us. Lord, I pray that today you would speak to our hearts as a church. What more can we do? You are coming quickly. We do not know when, but we want to be ready, preparing ourselves as a bride for your coming. And you can pray this prayer with me with your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to make peace with God, just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, just silently, right where you're seated, I need a Savior today. And I'm asking Jesus for you to come into my heart, to cleanse me, to wash me, to purify my heart. I believe that you did die on the cross. I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. And I'm putting my whole trust in this. And I'm committing my life to this message. So Lord, help me. You know that I'm weak, but you are strong. And I thank you that you have promised that in weakness, you show your power. And so Lord, you know that the weaker that I am, that means less of myself. That means more of you. And I want to be a person who operates by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me today to rely on your Spirit, to refrain from anything that would hinder others from following you. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said,